Thanks, Cynthia. Uh, good morning. It's good to be together, isn't it? Well, Pete spoke last week about uh, the treasure, the treasure of the gospel being entrusted to us, frail and fragile human beings, in what the Apostle Paul described as jars of clay. And these jars of clay that we have, which now Paul moves on to talk about as earthly tents in chapter 5, they are fragile. They're wasting away. I mean, each morning when I get out of bed, I know that too well. I mean, at the age of 20, I was invincible. You know, a legend in my own lifetime, a legend in my own lunchtime, whichever way you want to look at it. And amazingly, the older I get, the better I was. It's one thing that happens to all blokes, I think. We stand there and we say, yeah, back in my day, we used to do this. Back in my day, it was like that. But we do know that these bodies are wasting away. I know that well for me. I mean, uh, on the 24th of May, I'm going to have surgery on my knees. So I've got really, very real evidence that this earthly tent is uh, wasting away and will ultimately be destroyed. And so will yours. So on that happy note, let me just pray and we can all go home. Our bodies are wasting away. It all sounds a bit morbid, doesn't it? But that passage that Cynthia read for us is filled with so much hope. So much hope. See, are we just people who live for our three score years and ten, make a contribution on this earth and then go? Or do we truly believe that we are eternal beings? That this life is not all there is? That God has some wonderful things prepared for us. Last week uh, we read, Therefore we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. There is so much more to life. We are eternal beings. And I want us to take uh, a look at three key aspects of this passage that Cynthia read for us uh, this morning. And the first one is that this earth and everything in it, including our physical bodies, are only temporary. We know that. We would say that. But do we live like that's the case? I mean, in the macro sense, Paul talked about that in Romans chapter 8. Go to Romans chapter 8, verses 19 to 22. Paul says this hog of creation is longing, longing to be rebirthed. It's waiting liberation from its bondage and from its decay. And he goes on to say that the creation is really groaning, groaning like it's in the pains of childbirth, waiting for that deliverance. And we know that that deliverance is going to come. When Jesus comes again, it's not just going to be that, that us that are given a life with Jesus forevermore, creation will be renewed. Creation will be redeemed. And the Apostle Paul's writing and saying, in the macro sense, in the big sense, this is what's happening in our world. It's wasting away. It's groaning. And we can see that with all the natural disasters that happen. We can see that in what's happening around us. We can even see that in the fabric, the social fabric of our society. All around us, this created being, this creation is groaning. 
But then in the micro sense, we come here to chapter 5 of 2 Corinthians. Chapter 5, and, and that's what uh, Cynthia read for us. For if we, we know that if this earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. Meanwhile, we groan. There's that word again. We groan, longing to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling. Because when we are clothed, we will not be found naked. For while we are in this tent, we groan and are burdened because we do not wish to be unclothed, but to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. This life is not all there is. It never was intended to be all there is. But friends, I know, I sometimes live like this is all there is. All the plans I make, all the things I think about in life are so often about this day, about this world. The bodies we have are very much like tents. Now, I love camping. Lynn and I were camping just a couple of weeks ago. Uh, get away, flip over the camper trailer, under canvas, out there, stars at night, absolutely fantastic. The longest we've camped for was for close on three months and the, and the Polks joined us for a lot of that around the top end of Australia camping. Um, but tents are only made for the short term. Sooner or later, those tents are going to wear out. They're going to waste away. Now, the longest they might last, uh, I don't know, 50 years, probably someone here has got a tent they've been in their family for the last 100 years. Let's say 100 years. That tent will waste away and our bodies are a little bit like the same. Our body, our, our earthly body was never intended to be permanent. And that's why this earth is not our home. We're just passing through. So the Apostle Paul says, what's going to happen is we don't have a new resurrection body. And it can be likened, rather than being likened to a tent, it can be likened to a building. It's going to be permanent. It's going to be something that is going to last forever. Nothing will shake, nothing will destroy that that uh, resurrection body we have. The second thing this passage tells us is that we actually do yearn for something more and that God guarantees to deliver. St. Augustine prayed, You have made us for yourself, O Lord. And our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you. You have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our hearts are restless till they find their rest in you. And we know that's right. Solomon put it this way in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, that he, God, has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the hearts of men. What does that mean? Well, that previous part of chapter 3 of Ecclesiastes, the seekers made a song about it. To everything, turn, turn, turn. There is a season, turn, 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 turn. How many turns there are? A time to live, a time to die, a time to laugh, a time to cry. And it goes on, all those aspects about life. The highs and the lows of life. And there are some beautiful times of life. And even in the midst of all the beauty of those things that we experience, there is still that aspect of eternity. And there is still a longing for something more. We know that. I'm so thankful for the friends that I have, the family that I have in my life that bring fulfillment to my life. I'm thankful for the experiences that I've had in life. I'm thankful that God um, opened my eyes to see the reality of who he is, who Jesus is, that I've taken hold of Jesus, that God has filled me with his spirit. And I have that fulfillment because I've got significance, I've got purpose and I've got a future. 
I'm so thankful for all those things. That's an amazing blessing. But still, but still, this side of heaven, there is a longing for something more. Because God has set eternity in my heart. And that longing that I have even now is not going to be fully satisfied until I'm in the presence, the physical presence of Jesus. That's why Paul could write, we know that when this earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. How can we be sure? Verse 5 tells us, Now the one who has fashioned us for this very purpose is God, who has given us the Spirit as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. The Holy Spirit that indwells the life of every believer, Holy Spirit that indwells my life is God's guarantee to me that his promise here in, in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 is true. God has started a work in my life. Philippians tells us that. He has started a good work in you. will go on to complete it until the day that Jesus comes again. The, the, the Holy Spirit that dwells within me is that guarantee that God who has started that work is going to go on and to complete it. Friends, no matter how happy you might be in life now, I'm sure that there are times when you long for something better. There is a longing within us to keep improving. That's why we long to improve our homes. That's why we long for the very best in our kids. That's why there's this longing for us as human beings to keep on improving our lot in life or improving the lot of others around us. There's this search to keep on going. But friends, that search is going to be wonderfully, wonderfully found, I suppose, when Jesus comes again. And that's why we can have confidence. Do you have confidence? Are you worried about your future? Does death worry you? Are you sure that if you died tonight, that you would spend eternity in the presence of Jesus? So I've spoken to uh, many people over past years. Many Christians I know battle with a whole aspect of assurance. Whole aspect of assurance. They know that salvation comes by faith and yet they battle with the fact is, is this real? Am I going to stand before Jesus someday? I don't know whether you're like that as a Christian here today. And if you are, can I urge you not to leave before you have someone pray for you? That you might have the assurance of salvation. That you might be able to walk out of here today knowing that when your earthly tent is folded up for the last time, that you will be in the presence of Jesus. You might be someone here today who doesn't really know whether you've got a relationship with Jesus Christ. There'll be an opportunity down the back to just come and to pray with some people later and to speak through and to talk through and pray through those aspects of your own life. Please, friends, if you've got issues about this, about where you're going to spend eternity, don't leave today before we can talk about that together. So what is going to happen when we depart this earth? What will happen? Well, normally what's going to happen is our friends or family are going to be involved in uh, making sure that this earthly tent is disposed of. 
you know, we're going to have a cremation or a burial and some people will get together, hopefully saying nice things about us and rejoice in the life that has been lived and the times that have been shared. And maybe there'll be a little epitaph that um, appears on uh, a tombstone or on all your order of service. Perhaps it might be like some of these that'll come up. One from Portland, Maine. Here lies my wife. I bid her goodbye. She rests in peace. Now so do I. I won't put that on yours, darling. Uh, Richmond, Virginia, there's one that says she always said her feet were killing her, but nobody believed her. Perhaps this one in Massachusetts best describes what happens to a Christian at death. Under the sod and under the trees lies the body of Jonathan Pease. But Pease isn't here. This is just the pod. Pease shelled out and he went to God. And that's probably what exactly explains what happens. Our earthly tent is laid to rest. But our soul, our spirit departs straight away to be in the presence of Jesus. And the burdens we face then in our present bodies are no more. Are no more. We don't carry this stuff anymore. And verse 5 says that it was for this purpose that we were created. What's the purpose? That our mortality might be swallowed up by life. So that we might truly be able to say, Death, where is your sting? Grave, where is your victory? But what awaits us? Well, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, neither has the mind imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. We can only imagine. And even then, as that verse says, even our wildest imaginations are going to fall far short. Now, when I said we can only imagine, I know that song is already going through your brain. I can only imagine. And if you haven't seen that movie, please go and see it. I'm not a movie, I'm not a movie goer at all. Anyone that knows me, I could probably number on, I probably need my toes as well, um, the number of movies I've seen the last 20 years. And I find some Christian movies a little bit corny, but this movie has got a great story. The story behind the words of I can only imagine. And, uh, I found it a wonderful thing. I like the writer of that, uh, the writer of that song, we can only imagine what awaits us in our resurrection bodies. And even then, our imaginations are nothing compared to what God's got prepared for us. But there are some things we do know. Let's have a look at some of the scriptures. Mentally, you'll have a renewed mind and full understanding. We all have questions now, don't we? And, and not a lot of answers sometimes. Why is there cancer? Why is it that good people die young? Why are there so many disasters, natural disasters in this world that wipe out people and places? We don't know that. When we get to heaven, I don't even know if we'll have to ask Jesus those things. Because Paul wrote, for now we see only a reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. Emotionally, you'll have a joyful heart. Even as Christians, there are times when we get anxious, times when our moods fluctuate, times when we worry, we don't know what the future is going to hold and that does get to us. 
We alternate between moods in life, even with the spirit dwelling within us. And yet the Bible says you will fill me with joy in your presence. In the presence of Jesus, there is joy. What does it mean for us physically? Well, we're going to have a body that lasts for eternity. When our earthly tent is buried and our, and our soul and spirit departs, the soul, spirit, same thing. Depart to be in the presence of Jesus. They're not just going to be floating around in nothing in the air. We're going to have a resurrection body. We can see that because of Jesus' resurrection body. Luke 24 gives us the account of Jesus meeting with his disciples after his resurrection, having a meal with them. A full resurrection body. He ate with them. And our physical resurrection bodies will have no more pain, no more suffering, no more death. The Bible doesn't tell us how old we're going to be for all of eternity, but we're always going to be the perfect age for vitality and health. We know that. J. Oswald Sanders wrote, We'll have bodies fit for the full life of God to indwell and express itself forever. We'll be able to eat, but we'll not need to. We'll be able to move rapidly through space and matter. We will be ageless and not know pain, tears, sorrow, sickness or death. We'll have bodies of splendour. Sounds absolutely fantastic to me, doesn't it? Does it to you? Absolutely fantastic. In a strange paradox, our physical death is going to lead to everlasting life. If you're a Christian now, you've got eternal life. Your eternal life as a Christian started the time that you asked Jesus to take control of your life. At the moment, you're living your eternal life this side of heaven. And the new phase of your eternal life is going to start when, the, when that earthly tent is folded up and buried. The famous Dwight L. Moody, who was a Billy Graham of the 19th century, he wrote this. Someday you will read in papers, D.L. Moody of East Northfield is dead. Don't you believe a word of it. At that moment, I shall be more alive than I am now. I shall have gone up higher, that's all, out of this old clay tenement into a house that is immortal, a body death cannot touch, that sin cannot taint, a body fashioned like under his glorious body. I was born of the flesh in 1837. I was born of the spirit in 1856. That which is born of the flesh may die. That which is born of the spirit will last forever what a wonderful picture but this passage has more for us but now live by faith not by sight and do the work of the kingdom so paul says so we make it our goal to please him whether we're at home in the body or away from it for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each of us may receive what is due us for the things done while in the body whether good or bad don't you love Paul he writes with one eye firmly focused on heaven so much of his writing is focused on what awaits us the splendor of heaven and all that God's got planned for us But he's got another eye that's focused on the here and now. And that's that's an amazing aspect of so much of his writing. And this passage is evidence of that. The first six verses we've read is all about our earthly tent going and that God giving us a glorious resurrection body. A body that will never waste away. A body that is permanent. So we get that in the first six verses. 
And then from verse 7 to verse 10, he says something like this. Now, don't get all carried away with this pie in the sky when you die stuff. No, don't just dwell on that. Rejoice in it. That day's going to come. Be confident in it. But now, now, here and now, you've got a job to do. I want you to live a life that is going to be pleasing to God. One of the sad things about um, about some sections of um, Christian faith is we want to sit down and kind of sing kumbaya until Jesus comes back. And this this verse tells us we can't do that. God is coming back. Our earthly tent is going to be destroyed. We have a wonderful home in heaven waiting for us, but we've got a job to do now. And more than that, we're going to have to stand before our God and give an account of the things that we've done. Verses like uh, verse 10, 9 and 10 can have some Christians asking the question, so is it a works-based theology anyway? I'm going to have to stand before Jesus, give an account of the things done, whether good or bad, while in the body. No, I don't think it's that at all. We don't preach preach a works-based theology in this church. We are saved by grace through faith in the finished work of Jesus. Does that mean we don't have to worry about what we do? No, it doesn't mean that at all. The very next verse of Ephesians says, after that, yes, we are saved by grace through faith. Not of ourselves, no one can boast, but we were created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared beforehand for us to do. I'd say it's impossible for a Christian who has been truly saved by grace and recognised the wonder of everything God has done for them, not to then turn around and respond and to make a difference in this world, to help bring heaven earth that this earth on this earth god's will might be done as it is in heaven i don't want to unpack all that but paul gives us an idea of how we should build if we go back to 1 corinthians chapter 3 and i haven't got that up there but 1 corinthians chapter 3 is a great account of paul saying to the people at corinth be careful how you build you've got to you're going to build a building and the foundation is jesus if you haven't got jesus as a foundation you don't have a valid building Forget about building. But then he says, on that foundation of Jesus, be careful how you build. You've got a choice. You can build with wood, hay, stubble, or you can build with gold and silver and precious stones. Choose carefully what you're going to use as your building material. Because on the day that Jesus comes again, which is what Paul's talking about here in in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, all of it's going to be revealed. A fire is going to be set to it. The wood, hay and the stubble is going to get burnt up. The gold, silver and precious stones are going to last. And you, as Christians, I am going to be rewarded based on what I have built on the foundation of Jesus. Our works don't save us. But having been saved by Jesus, we're urged by Paul, even in this passage, to build wisely. And to make a difference in this world. So friends, do you have Jesus as your foundation? 
If you're done, I'd love to pray for you this morning that Jesus might be the true foundation. Perhaps today you've been building with other stuff and you want to actually get your life focused on building with gold, silver, precious stones. Those things that are going to last from a kingdom perspective. Those things that are impact for all eternity, not just for this life. We'd love the opportunity to pray. I want to come back to those tombstones a little bit more seriously this time. What are you hoping for with your epitaph? What would you love being written across the bottom of your uh, memorial service little brochure, so to speak? I don't think you can get a better one than what Paul um, wrote in uh, 2 Timothy as he was about to depart. And he said, I'm about to depart this earth. I've fought the good fight. I've finished the race. I've kept the faith. And now there is in store for me a crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. There's Paul again. One eye focused on what he'd done on the on this earth. Finished the fight. Fought the fight. Finished the race. Kept the faith. And one eye focused on what awaited him. Let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, we want to praise you and thank you for the power of your word. I want to thank you for who you are. Father, we thank you that you broke into our world and you um, and you came to give us life. And that life is as wonderful as this earth is at times. That life is not just here on this earth to fill us with your spirit and to have us rejoicing in who you are, but that life is life eternal. Father, give us that eternal perspective. Lord, give us the... Uh, the power, the courage, the wisdom to live our lives here in the light, Lord, of eternity. Father, I want to repent myself for the times I spent so much time thinking about improving my lot in life here. For those aspects of of that that don't have eternal significance. Father, I pray for your forgiveness. And Father, for us as a church, we we'll pray that same forgiveness. The Lord, we might grab hold of this passage with such a belief that it is the matters of eternity that drive us in all we do in our lives together. Father, today I want to pray for those who don't have the assurance of salvation. For those who don't today have the assurance that their future with you is one that is solid and secure. Father, I ask that you would give those courage to to come forward for prayer this morning. The Lord, they too might just be able to rejoice in everything that you have planned for them. So, Lord, we thank you for this time together. We give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen.